Well, hey there. Welcome to Haunt and Gather, a podcast exploring the new American folklore, homesteading, and adventure in the great outdoors. That sounds right. Anyways, while we're waiting for our next episode, we're going to have our first interview for you, demon folklorist Victoria J., who has a book coming out on Halloween. This one's going to be covering some ground we haven't talked about before on this podcast. We are talking about the demonic because Victoria J. has created an entire classification system of demons you can use to diagnose hauntings, something we've used on our investigations. Spooky stuff. Keep an open mind and enjoy. Let's go on an adventure. Welcome to Haunt and Gather, folks. Uh, we're here with a little bit of an extra treat while we're waiting for the next episode. We have on today uh, the demon folklorist, Victoria J., uh, for her new book, The Black Hours, Modern Demonic Experiences and Folklore. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, you're very welcome. So I understand that um, we're talking about modern demonic experiences and folklore. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to ask you is, why modern demonic experiences? Is there something unique about demons in the modern era? Honestly, I don't know, because I never looked at demons in antiquity. I was looking at it from a folklore perspective, so I felt it was more um, conductive to what I was doing to just, um, or conducive is probably the word I'm looking for. I'm just, yeah, I'm a little tired. <laughs> But um, I I thought it was better to use that because it the published narratives that we have out right now are in their own way folklore, because even though they are published, they are in hard copies and black and white print. They aren't actually um, as well remembered in the public eye and in public memory as people think they are. So they won't remember the specifics of a case. They'll remember what resonated with them the most. And memory is malleable. And every single time a story is told over and over and over again, it changes. That's the nature of folklore. Are you saying it's kind of like uh, eyewitnesses, right? When they're talking about uh, what they remember during a crime, uh, people mm-hmm. find increasingly that you're not going to really have a great eyewitness account. Are you saying the same thing is true for paranormal experience? Historical game of telephone sort of thing. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. It's literally like a mix of both because when you talk about a really famous case, like the Roland Doe case, that one was the first really publicized one. And then the exorcist came after that. It really changed a lot in um, just the fiber of the story 
to add a lot of really strange, sensational things to it that weren't actually part of the case. Um, Troy Taylor had a really good uh, book on it called uh, The Devil Came Down to St. Louis, and he really waded through the folklore. Um, so I really respected his approach to it. Because the folklore is actually to a point with that case that you can't ascertain the real truth. Interesting. And I guess keeping that in context, when you're doing more modern investigations, um, what techniques would you employ in kind of plucking the fact from the fiction? So the truth is there's always going to be some fiction. But when people are doing first um, person memorats, which is like first person experiences, they tend to be a lot more truthful because they're relying on something that actually happened to them and their own sensory perceptions. That's why I focused on senses when I did my own um, research. So when you're saying that you focused on senses, um, are you saying that there are different types of qualifications of a demonic experience that you have? I mean, definitely. Like, there are also levels of, like, uh, demonic raw power. For instance, like, um, I know somebody uh, recently that I talked to at Con Carolinas who saw a demon once because she does have that, that gift of sight, of clairvoyance. And it was just once. And she's been doing this like 30 years. So they are very, very rare. But she saw this little like imp thing. And it was like less than three feet tall. I asked her about it in detail because I have this this background. So I was very curious about what told you that it was a demon. Did you feel you were in the presence of evil? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. That thing was evil. But would that little imp thing be able to do what maybe some of the bigger ones can do? Probably not. So there's that. And then there is like the different senses that can go off during a demonic event. So usually what tips people off is feeling. That's the very first thing. They walk into a space and they know something is wrong and they don't listen to it because maybe it's the new house you just bought. You don't want to believe something's wrong with it. Right. So you push yourself in and you try to tell yourself it's not real. But there's almost always that feeling somewhere in the story. Um, and when you come face to face with it, like in the same room or it, man- it tries to manifest on our plane, it will be very, very evil and malicious. And you will feel that malice coming off of it like heat waves. I will say that when you talk about evil being a palpable feeling, it's very true because there's this feels bad and this feels dangerous, which can happen often with the paranormal. And then there's this feels evil. Uh, Jack and I have talked about being in situations where something feels like it means us harm. Mm-hmm. And we later on said this felt like a like an animal, like a predator. Mm-hmm. And we were in danger. I but was actually evil is a different feeling. I was actually just thinking of the Whiskey Hollow Road entity and how when it did make itself visible in the middle of the road in broad daylight, uh, there was no feeling at all. It was just an absolutely normal day with an incredibly abnormal thing smack dab in front of you. Fascinating. So it was very evil. Very neutral. Very neutral. Super neutral. Like it was (laughs) just hanging out like it wasn't really doing anything. But if it wanted to hurt you, you'd know. Right. You could feel it. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, and evil is so different, and people make that mistake all the time. It drives me nuts because it's like, guys, evil is when you can feel like malice coming off of it. Like this thing doesn't just want to like isn't like a predator wanting to hurt you in the wild although you do feel that sense of danger like uh oh you know it's more like this thing wants to torture you and kill you let's play a fun game real quick sure three of us um now i felt evil you felt evil jack have you ever felt evil before given that criteria no i've i've felt you're lucky (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, so I, it sounds like I would know it if I felt it, which means I haven't felt it yet. Let's do this then very quickly. Um, I'll describe what evil feels like for me when I felt it. And then would you describe what evil feels like for you when you felt it? Mm-hmm. Sure. OK, so to me, it feels like if you've ever been cooking um, and there's a lot of grease and you feel like there's grease on your face where it's a hot day and there's humidity. There's mm-hmm. just a greasy feeling. If that greasy feeling had somehow collected for a decade on you and it was also under your skin and mm-hmm. that feeling made your heart feel like it was sinking. Well, that that's how I describe that feeling. It's not I'm in danger, but there is a just an omnipresent sensation that covers every facet of your being. I like that. Your turn. Um, yeah, let's see. Definitely, like, because I feel it also as a psychic, it's mm-hmm. different because it's it's very much when I walk into a place that has even, like, a malicious entity, because there is a difference between entities being, like, a little bit malevolent or maybe just unfriendly to humans and being, like, straight up evil. It says to me, no. Don't you dare go in there. It's almost like a black cloud, like blacker than black, darker than dark. Something that, yeah, like it permeates everything. Its entire being is corroded and negative and sick, and it wants you dead. Or maybe uh, not. I've heard, I've heard people describe that. Yeah. Blacker than black, you know, darker yeah. than dark. Oh, it, that's... In these narratives. That's just how it feels because for me I don't see things very often like the stars literally have to align for me to see things Mm -hmm. so when I have seen something that I do believe was a demon at Warwick Castle um it was very odd and I tried to convince myself that that's not what I was seeing because you you do I it was it was a big dark shadow and I should not have been able to see it based on where the sun was um, it was also so big that it almost covered like the entire window. And, but based on the way the window was shaped and where I was standing, like I was like, is this a guy? Maybe this was somebody on a tour, you know, because it was in, it, it's across a courtyard. And it's because my family has history with Warwick. We went when I was a kid, when I was about six or seven years old, my mom felt a distinctly evil presence there. And um, it was in the dowager's room. So naturally, when I go back to England, I'm like, yeah, let's go to Warwick so I can figure this out. And I saw something not in the dowager's room, but in a maid's room nearby. But what was weird is that that maid's room was closed off to the public. 
So you could not get in there, but I felt it as we were walking by to get to the dowager's room. And I was like, it felt very evil, very dark, very sick. Um, and I, I hated it and it wasn't close enough to me. I feel like for me to like truly tap into all of it, but I knew I did not want to be near that thing. I walk into the dowager's room and because the friend I was with like is super slow and I noticed that it's at museums with him too. Like he likes to really take his time and I'm like, let's go, let's go. So I was like way ahead of him. I was alone in the dowager's room. So I, I stepped in and out, in and out because I kept trying to test this because I'm, I like to think of myself as a skeptic believer. Um, a skeptic believer. Yeah. Because I completely believe in the supernatural, but I don't want to be bought by some people's idea of what it is or believe that it's there and then not actually have it there. I like to actually walk in with no expectations. And there was a very real sense of dread in that room. Like it was not in my imagination because it wasn't in any other rooms or in the hallway or any of it. It was just in that room. Later, um, I found out from the lore of that room, they had been doing um, seances and all sorts of like, they called it black magic. And it's like, okay, but folklore as it is, you never really know. But I do know that something dark lives in that room, that that was its home. But it was wandering. It was wandering. Do you have a feeling where its its home was? Was there a different place besides the dowager's room? Not that I could sense. It was definitely, if not the dowager's room as its home, that was where it was born into the world, if that makes any sense. Oh, that makes lots of sense. So I've heard some folks describe when sort of sensing for these types of presences that you can almost detect the room that it sort of sets up its lair in just because that sort of evil, that revulsion kind of just oozes its way into it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you're, you're already like, yep. So no, there... that's a very real thing because when a demon sets up shop in a room, like that room is never going to be the same again. I'm actually working on this piece right now for hear a scream. Uh, cause I also write in the horror world just cause I love horror movies like crazy. And I think about things way too deeply. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's never just horror for me. It's always something else, but, um, there is this piece about the nature of possession. And really, I think objects and places can be possessed too. I yeah. really do think that because like think about, um, one of the things that I had used an example was think about a murder weapon. Is that object ever going to hold the same significance it did before it was used as a murder weapon? Because I don't think so. I think in that way it has become possessed by the event and the violence. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, if you have scissors and you use those scissors to cut paper, they're craft scissors. Mm-hmm. But the moment you use those scissors once to cut chicken, I call them cursed scissors. You that, that <laughs> has a different job now. Its aura has changed. Fair. Those are cursed scissors. Now, if I were to cut <laughs> something different than a chicken, I would imagine that would proportionally increase. Mm-hmm. 
And then if you picked up those cursed scissors and stabbed somebody, yeah, like it, they're no longer chicken. <laughs> Thank you for saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> I did want to say, I absolutely agree that that locations can be possessed, right? And there's an incursion point. Um, this has always been a big thing uh, with our investigations, even if it's, something not demonic and we don't want to investigate the demonic to be honest with you. No, um, no honestly, no problem I'm having with paranormal TV right now. If this was a real demonic presence, you don't want to be in there. And Mm-mm. like, does nobody get that? Like, it seems like nobody is like picking up on that, that very basic fact that. Thank you. Thank you. But, but the yeah. ratings though. I know, they're not they're Pokemon. Right, <laughs> they're not. They don't fancy, like demon. Like it's just like yeah. guys. I can't respect you if you really think that you're gonna feel okay walking into a place that has a real demon. Because guess I what? I can only describe it. They don't like humans. <laughs> they it's it's like you're into you're into history, like you're into Russian history, for example. And so I need to go to Chernobyl. Like it's yeah. you could. You can be interested in the topic. Don't experience the thing. No, so it mentioned that. Fair to say, they don't do subtle. No. Do they Um, start with subtle? Sometimes. Okay. Interesting. It really depends on the demonic entity. They're all they they follow the same behavioral patterns. It seems like some of them though jump right in. And they just start freaking you out from the get-go. Normally, though, there is a period of time where they need to manifest the energy and the fear to be able to do the bigger stuff because they don't exist here naturally. So the ways that they get in that I've identified, um, you know, already inhabited. So they were already living in that house or that apartment or that place that you moved into. So you encroached on them. And that means that they don't have to obey those rules anymore because essentially you trespassed. That place was probably theirs or they claimed it, you know, like, so it's already in your space. Like you don't have to like break in type of thing. Um, the old advantage. Yeah. Now you've mentioned before uh, when you talk about uh, having a family that's, uh, runs runs the gamut of psychic abilities. You've mentioned uh, clairaudient abilities before. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's when you're hearing. I'd had that my whole life. Whole life, okay. It, the problem with being psychic and the reason I do not do investigations, at least not ones that could possibly <laughs> have a demon, is because they use psychic abilities against you. I would be a hindrance. I would pass out or not be able to go forward and have to leave. Like, it's it's not as glamorous as it seems on TV. You just get sick. Mm-hmm. We've but, done we've done one truly paranormal investigation, and we hated it. Yeah. It was not great. <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, it, it was like being told, like, hey, by the way, there's a super poisonous spider somewhere in this house. Go, Go find the closets. You're <laughs> <laughs> just there like, what are we doing? That's real. Uh, where was that at? Uh, no, that was in the Adirondacks. Uh, that was actually the time we used 
your classification system for yes. the demonic. It was actually super helpful uh, in this instance in determining what it was not. And mm-hmm. thankfully, we were very quickly able to use that system to discern that it was not something demonic. Uh, there wasn't that seeping malevolence. You know, there was no clear, and we combed the house top to bottom. You know, there mm-hmm. was no clear room that we entered, minus the back closet, that we were like, oh, this is it. This is this is where this thing set up shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even when we went into that back closet, and it was very clear that it, this room was different, but there wasn't that revulsion, there wasn't that malevolence, there wasn't that seeping feeling of dread. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. spirits do that too set up shop mm-hmm. somewhere that they happen to like, or maybe um, that's where a portal is into the house. And that's, that's definitely where it was. Yes, it's definitely where it was. But we went in there because we uh, we had your uh, classification system. We went through it in detail and that's what made us confident enough to go in there in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we had some concerns because in that investigation um, and a while back, you and I had discussed this and I, I had a lot of concerns because uh, one of the people in the family wore a crucifix around her neck. It went missing. Mm-hmm. And three days later it came back on the pillow. And I was like, Hey, that doesn't sound good. And I remember you made the point, like if it was a crucifix that went missing, if it was a demon, you wouldn't have seen it again. And right. if you saw it again, it would have been defaced. Janked up. Yeah. Um, Why is that? Because they hate anything connected to Christian iconography. They have shown only hatred in their behavior towards humans and anything connected to Christ. It seems to they are bound by divine law because they only seem to be pushed. Like they talk about like the power of Christ compels you from the exorcist. And now it's like a joke. Like, oh, does it does the power of Christ compel me? You've all seen that video, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. But, um, yeah, so it it's not exactly like that. It's more like it pushes them back. Mm-hmm. And if you have somebody, like exorcism in general is just somebody being used as a vessel right. for, you know, the Holy Spirit and all that. Because the thing I will say is it takes holy intervention to get rid of them. Sage isn't going to work on a demon. No, (laughs) no. If I if I walk around banging pots and pans, that's not going to scare it off. (laughs) Definitely not. No, uh, they are a little more resilient than that. It will it will scare the raccoons away, but there you go. um, Got to clean those raccoons. Okay, fun, fun, fun question then. Haunted dolls? Can they happen? That's a big one with us. No, you said. Do, now, do you think something can manipulate it to pretend that it's a haunted doll? Absolutely. Uh, conduits okay. are very common. Okay. They want to not be dead, right? And so they want that that thing. That I was like, what about of life? What about humanoid forms? Like, could that ever be anything for some sort of spirit inhabitants? Like, because something is a humanoid in form, could that entice something? I don't think so because they were never okay. alive. Okay, that's a really good point. Fair point. Living energy has to find another living host. 
because dolls were made as vessels. They can hold, maybe, I don't know. I don't really know how it works when spirits, like, maybe they can sit inside of it, you know? Maybe they could even live inside it, but they can't use it the way that they would use a living host because it is not, was never alive. But they can use it to pretend that it is alive, like in the Annabelle doll case. To scare, right, just just for kicks, just for scares. Yeah, right. because that demon is not inside that doll. It's right, a no. raggedy and doll. Like, what? <laughs> I think the real doll is way scarier, personally, because it's... It, oh, yeah. So innocuous. What if you brought home something from the thrift store and it's haunted? What are you going to do then? That's, I it, think that's the scariest idea. It makes Bring it, it back. so universal. Right. Yeah. Like that's the horror of the actual Annabelle doll. What they did in the movie was, you know, you're going to look Weird. at the doll. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, hey, that creepy doll with lifelike eyes that happened to follow me. I wonder if that's where it I is. Wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wonder why that was a bad idea. But it's like, no, the real the, doll, of course, you'd pick it up. Like, especially if you grew up with Raggedy Ann. Right. It's adorable. It's adorable. Like, there's nothing about it that says. Oh my God! You need to stay the hell away from that thing. You know, I, I think that I think that the unseen world, the typically unseen world, is as varied as the observable universe. Um, and I'm glad that you've spent time looking at some of the uh, deadliest creatures of the unseen world, uh, being the demonic. Um, I really do appreciate what you've put together. With your classification system, it's a tremendous use in the field. Anyone who wants to learn more about it, I would strongly recommend uh, that you keep an eye out for this book, The Black Hours, Modern Demonic Experiences and Folklore. Um, anyone who wants to buy a copy, pre-order a copy, we're at pre-order, right? We're at pre-order. It comes out on Halloween. Yes. com. Here, H-E-A-R, us, U-S, scream, S-C-R-E-A-M, dot com slash store. Uh, Here, us, scream, dot com slash store. Victoria, thank you so much today. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Haunt and Gather, a paranormal podcast exploring the new American folklore in the great outdoors, is written and produced by Jack Krisky and Benjamin Beginski. Our theme song, Into the Red Light, is used with permission and performed by Beezus Taylor and the Funeral Party. You can check out her album, The Ghost Hunter's Handbook, on YouTube and Spotify. 